This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Morgan's Pop Talks. Thursday, it's the best day of the week because a new MPT is out. Look, it's not bragging if it's true. I know you love to listen to the show. I love to talk about all these things. And today, whoo, deep breaths. Do you have a brown paper bag next to you? Because we are going to get into the trenches today. And you just might need a little extra oxygen. We're going to talk about Don't Worry Darling. Isn't it funny that that's the name of the film? Don't worry, darling. Like, Olivia, all we've been doing is worrying about what's going on in your movie. Of course, we're going to be talking about Bachelor Nation drama as well as talking about this week's four hours worth of Bachelorette content that we had to endure. We're also going to be talking about selling the OC. So, wow, it is going to be amazing. Let's just get right into it. The pop three. These are the three biggest headlines of the week. And we got to start with Don't Worry Darling takes the Venice Film Festival. The Venice Film Festival was more like hell on earth for the cast of Don't Worry Darling. I said it on last week's podcast that everyone pretty much hated each other except for Olivia and Harry. And even they seemed like they kind of hated each other at the premiere of Don't Worry, Darling. I do think, however, that Harry and Olivia, you know, there were all these headlines. They didn't sit next to each other. They didn't talk to each other. They didn't even interact. Videos that I saw, no, they did not do any of the above. But also, I feel like the media circus that has been this Don't Worry, Darling film, I feel like maybe they didn't want every clickbait headline to be see Olivia and Harry walking down the red carpet, see Olivia and Harry sitting together, you know, like we get it. They're dating. We don't need to like drive it home. Um, so let's start with the, with the press conference because Florence was not there. And by the way, if you're behind on all the drama, cause there's a lot so much so that we did a deep dive about it last week. It's about 10 minutes long. Go listen to last week's episode and then come back because you're not going to understand a daggone thing that I'm about to tell you if you don't know the backstory. But anyways, Olivia dodged a lot of questions about Florence Pugh at this press conference. Florence was not in attendance. Olivia said in response, one of the reporters literally asked, there's feud rumors between you and Florence. What's the deal? I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but, and she was like, the internet feeds itself. And I'm like, yeah, the internet feeds itself, but so do your stylists, Olivia, because did you guys see the stylists were jumping in the ring, throwing shade on the Instagram stories. That's something you might've missed. Both Olivia 
and Florence's stylist were getting involved, throwing some shade. Florence's stylist wrote a picture of Florence getting ready for the premiere because she did show up to the premiere. And it said, Miss Flo. Obviously, that was how Olivia addressed Florence to the now leaked video to Shia LaBeouf. I'm telling you guys, it's a whole thing. If you did not listen to the deep dive, whoops, going to go right over your head. So listen and come back. But, you know, Miss Flo, she honestly should copyright it. If I were her, I would sell merch. I would sell hats. I would sell phone cases. Miss Flo for life. And then Olivia, her stylist also posted something on Instagram saying, there's always more to the story, dot, dot, dot. Okay, Olivia, the internet feeds itself wild. Your stylist is feeding the internet right now on her social media accounts. And y'all know if anyone's going to bring the tea, it's going to be the stylist because they're all in there getting ready. It's almost like they're at the salon. You know, you tell your hairstylist everything. You tell them about your neighbors fighting at 3 a.m. You tell them about your baby daddy drama. You you talk to your hairstylist about everything. So I can only imagine the stories that Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde stylists have from the Venice Film Festival. They should write a book. Honestly. Anyways, Harry and Olivia, like I said, they never sat next to each other. Uh, they never took any pictures next to each other. Harry did not stand by Olivia. Olivia did not stand by Florence. Florence did not stand by Harry. (laughs) It's like, keep calm and don't stand by any of the people that you're in this drama with. And then, I mean, if it was not chaotic enough, Spitgate. Spitgate 2022 took the internet by storm. This was the dress. Y'all remember the dress? I can't remember what year, but I think it was like 2019 where we all saw, was it blue and black? Was it white and gold? Did you he- Did you see Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine or did you not? I stayed adamant with the fact that Harry Styles did not spit on Chris Pine. One of Harry's songs is treat people with kindness. He's Mr. Love and Light. He's Mr. Let's dance around in our, in our glitter pants. And we live for it. We love it. We live for Harry Styles. In my opinion, in no universe would Harry Styles do something like that in public. I mean, you know, at that moment, all eyes are on you. So I just never believed it, even though it did look like it. We can't lie. Like we can't sit here and pretend like it did not look like Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine because it did. Chris Pine even gave the people exclusive, the people exclusive for 100. Alex, Chris's rep said, just to be clear, Harry Styles did not spit on Chris Pine. It felt like a Maury moment, like get the cameras ready. Maury is sitting there with the manila folder. I almost said the vanilla folder. That's not a thing. Maury sitting there with the manila folder, Harry Styles and Chris Pine on stage. He takes it out. Harry Styles, drum roll, please. You did not spit on Chris Pine. He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like running around circles on stage in his rainbow crop top vest type thing. And I'm just living for it. That would have been musty reality television. So just Harry Styles giving high fives in his cute 
bell bottoms. Justice for Harry Styles. I say to Adamant that he didn't do it and he didn't do it. Are we, are any of us seeing this movie? <laughs> I probably will, but I'm probably going to wait for it to come out on whatever streaming service. Cause I don't like to go to the movies. I hate to hear people eat popcorn. That's a story for a different day. Anyways, headline number two in this week's pop three, Diana Jenkins is on her redemption tour. Look, the real housewives, Beverly Hills, also a hot mess also could be described as hell on earth this season. Um, but a lot of stuff is happening on social media with the housewives. This comes after Botgate, And we also did a deep dive about what in the world is going on in Beverly Hills a couple weeks ago, where some fans thought that Diana Jenkins had purchased robots to comment nasty things on Garcelle Bouvet's 14-year-old son's Instagram. I mean, the sentence is just absolutely ridiculous. I'm going to say that I don't think this was Diana's doing. I know it's a fun conspiracy to get behind and everybody loves to hate on a villain. Um, I also just don't see her being that Instagram savvy. Like if we're being completely honest to me, Diana puts off the energy that she barely knows how to work Instagram, let alone buy robots to troll somebody's 14 year old son. So anyways, last week, Diana issued a series of strongly worded legal letters to various bloggers, podcasters, is this thing on, and publications who have perpetuated unfounded gossip that she had ties to Jeffrey Epstein and his sex trafficking ring. Y'all wonder why I have the word allegedly pretty much tattooed on my forehead when I talk about this kind of stuff. This is why. Guess who didn't get a cease and desist? Your girl. Morgie, you know who did? Dana Wilkie, 25,000. If you are a tried and true Beverly Hills fan, you know who 25,000 is. Dana Wilkie made, I think, one appearance on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills where she showed up in a pair of sunglasses that were worth $25,000. And now she's known as 25,000. Dana was one of these people that got a letter. She actually ended up deleting two podcast episodes she recorded specifically about Diana Jenkins. So Diana's really trying to shut this story down, which I understand. It's a horrible thing. And when you have no proof of it, you got to be saying, allegedly, it's just the stuff that's out there. Hopefully she doesn't come for me now. Listen, Diana, I'm trying to have your back on this one. So not only that, yesterday... Diana Jenkins, oh, this is rich, made a $100,000 donation to the alleged victims of Tom Girardi. Uh, yeah, you heard that right. Her co-star Erica Jane's estranged husband. According to page six, a press release from Diana Jenkins charity, the Sonyela Foundation, shared that the funds donated will benefit the immediate family members of the 189 passengers and crew who were killed in the fatal flight in 2018. Oh, I wish more than anything ever that this would have been filmed. Oh, could you imagine Erica's reaction? I, oh, I'm living for it. Okay, this is the Lion Air case. They talk about this case a lot on the show. This is the Orphans and Widows case. This is really what got the ball rolling 
on Tom's scheme being, you know, kind of uncovered. Diana said on Instagram that she was not aware of the 2018 Lion Air 610 flight tragedy until it became a topic of conversation on the Real Housewives Beverly Hills. She said, I feel so much sympathy for the widows and orphans left behind. <sighs> I need a camera crew on Erica Jane's stat. Like, I need to know, is she fuming? Is she just sweeping it under the rug? The timing of it all. I mean, really? You couldn't have donated like in the privacy of your own home. You're going to do it on a Wednesday morning when you all know all eyes are on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, especially on this episode, knowing that Erica is getting ready to go ham on everybody. <sighs> Honestly, I, I'm here for it. I love it. Overall, and I've talked about this a little bit, you know, on that deep dive about Bachgate. Beverly Hills, this season is just giving me the ick, the major ick, the Sutton stuff, Rinna, Erica, Diana, even Kyle is all just icky. And I like my fair share of drama. Trust. I'm not going to be one of those people that I'm like, I want sunshine, daisies, roses, and butterflies on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Like, give me some drama. But at, at a certain point, it just makes you feel kind of gross. And that's where I was. That's where I am with the season of Beverly Hills. So the girls, they better be careful because did you see the Real Housewives of Potomac trailer? Don't sleep on Potomac. They're coming for the gold. Um, I think this move, however, by Diana did gain her some points in the Bravo fan base. And look, no other housewife in Beverly Hills, to my knowledge, has donated. So... There's that. Your third and final headline in this week's pop three. This is some Bachelor Nation drama. Hannah Brown is now in-laws with Jed Wyatt's ex-girlfriend. Oh. Remember when I told you about that brown paper bag? Go ahead and grab it because you're going to need it right now. Hannah Brown's brother, Patrick, married Haley Stevens this weekend in Colorado. If we're thinking, hmm, Haley Stevens. That sounds familiar. That's because Haley Stevens was Jed Wyatt's girlfriend when he got engaged to Hannah Brown. How in the world did this happen? Instagram. Honestly, it's not that deep, but let's take a trip down memory lane. The year is 2019. We watch Hannah Brown not be able to give a toast to Colton Underwood in a hot tub at Vasquez Rocks National Area Park in California. She's fighting with Kaylin Miller Keys all season about who was prettier. No, just kidding. It was it was more about like who's the better pageant princess, which I mean, <laughs> uh, looking back, I think they were just fighting to be the next bachelorette, but they semi made up at the reunion and Hannah B, Hannah Beast, Alabama Hannah is our next bachelorette. She goes on to fall in love over pet jingles and leather jackets with fuzzy insides to Jed Wyatt as he serenades her with a love song gets down on one knee and asks Hannah Brown to marry him. And they live happily ever after until Haley Steven says, hold up. I'm actually dating Jed Wyatt. And uh, he actually just went on the show to promote his music career. Three years later, Hannah Brown's brother, her flesh and blood, Patrick Brown is now married to Haley Stevens. Miss Stevens, or should I say Mrs. Brown? Boop. 
It hurts my soul. Okay. Hannah is taking it all in stride. She said on Instagram, this is the most awkward thing ever. Oh, no, she didn't say that. I said that. (laughs) That's in my notes. Here's what Hannah said. I've come to realize my life is a never-ending plot twist, but it makes for a damn good, for sure weird story. I'm glad that Hannah went. She was there at the wedding to support her brother. They've had a rocky history. I've done a deep dive on it. I've done a deep dive on pretty much everything. So if you missed it, go check it out. But she was there and her boyfriend, Adam. Let's hope that they are the next to be hitched. Okay, now it's time for the deep dive, my personal favorite portion of the show, because it's what you want to know more about. I open up the deep dive submissions every single week on my Instagram at Morgan P Talks. What do you want to know more about? What do you want me to do some digging into? What do you want to discuss at length? And this week, our deep dive question comes from Megan. Hey, Morgan, it's Sarah from Savage, Minnesota. So I'd love a deep dive on selling the OC. I just finished it and I don't like anyone. I just feel like there's no chemistry and all that drama between Kayla and Tyler. Can we get an update on all that? This pot is my weekly fave and I can't wait to hear your hot take on this one. Thank you, Megan. I too don't like anyone, but some people are growing on me. So let's get into it. What is the deal with selling the OC? Selling the OC is Adam DeVillo's latest reality TV creation now on Netflix. I'm just confused about it. And honestly, in attempts to make it a bit clearer in my brain, we'll do a deep dive on it. The cast is a lot. Okay. Are you ready? Here it is. Brett and Jason, Austin, three Alexes, Jarvis, Rose, and Hall, Polly, Brandy, Gio, Kayla, Sean, and Tyler. Way too many people. Way too many people to keep up with. I did not know who anybody was until like episode seven. There's only eight episodes. So that's the first mistake. The first major theme is, of course, trying to like figure out who we like, who we don't like. I think the villains are supposed to be Alex Rose and Alex Jarvis. But it's a little confusing as to why. Like, are they just chalking it up? to bad energy, bad attitudes in the very beginning. And I I can't really remember because I feel like I blacked out during a couple of those episodes. They were talking about how, how Rose got her listings, but weren't exactly clear. So Rose did an interview with page six, where she said that she and Jarvis had an interview and pretty much got casted on the show right on the spot. And that when everybody else found out that everybody's energy kind of turned. So does that mean that they were jealous that these two got casted? I don't know. Um, She said they act. She said the rest of the cast acted like they were above the two of them calls out Alex and Polly specifically in this interview, which I can believe I E the boat scene. And they said they shunned her. Alex Hall and Polly shunned Jarvis and Rose. Alex Hall, of course, had a response to that. She said, we didn't ice them out. We were very confused. That kind of checks out with what Jarvis was saying. Um, But then she says, because it seemed like they would say or do anything, she kind of stops her train of thought and goes to another place. She says, there are so many situations that they weren't a part of that they didn't experience firsthand. And then they want to come onto the scene and say, you did this, yada, yada, yada. Welcome to reality TV, Alex Hall. 
people having opinions about everything that you do. Alex Hall also said that she that they came in with different intentions. I don't know what that means. Is Alex insinuating that they came in with the intentions of being drama curators, potsters? I don't to me they're all drama starters. Like let's not get it twisted. And honestly, as a viewer, they all just seem kind of jealous of Jarvis and Rose, don't they? I mean, who else rang that $20 million bell? Ain't nobody. Not one person. Maybe Geo. I can't remember because, like I said, I think I blacked out. But another big storyline in selling the OC is Tyler and Kayla and then maybe a little bit of Alex Hall getting in the mix of it. I was very confused about Kayla. I think Kayla might have fallen victim to a choppy edit when it comes to her conversation with Jarvis and Rose and then talking to Alex Hall because we don't really know like who she's aligning with because in each scene when she's talking to Jarvis and Rose, she's like, I'm so glad that you guys are here for me. I'm so glad that somebody sees it. And then she turns around and talks to Alex Hall and is like, I have you on a pedestal. It's very confusing. Although things between Alex Hall and Kayla are not good right now, apparently, according to Bustle, pause, according to Alex Hall, after she watched the episodes back, she texted Kayla and didn't hear back from her. And Alex Hall says they're polite at work events, but she thinks they're more closed off since the show. Kayla also did an interview recently where she called out Alex Hall for claiming that Kayla tried to do more with Tyler than just kiss him. I'm winking. I don't know if you can see it, but I am. We all know what we're talking about. Get down with the get down. The accusation came from Alex Hall when she alleged to Entertainment Tonight that Kayla tried to shaboing. I I don't enjoy that phrase, and I don't know why it came out of my mouth, but tried to get down with Tyler on multiple occasions and made him very uncomfortable. Kayla heard that, obviously, got on the phone with Page Six and was like, that's new. But just all I can say, all I can really say to you is that it's not true. It is simply a lie. All of it. She said she wasn't sure of Alex Hall's intent, why she was spreading lies about her. But she thinks it is perhaps a way for Alex to, quote, take the heat off of herself. Which I also, I'm so confused by Alex Hall. She gives me Chriselle vibes, you know, where it's like, is she supposed to be America's sweetheart and we fall in love with her because she has moments where we're like, oh yeah, I like her. And then we have moments where we're like, I don't like it. I don't like it. You know who else doesn't like it? Tyler's wife, Brittany Snow. She does not like it. So what does she think of all this? Tyler said that they try to keep their professional lives separate, but that his wife, Brittany Snow, has watched some of the episodes of Selling the O.C. When Kayla tried to kiss him on the show, Tyler said that Brittany's reaction was something that he will keep just between us. Okay. I think we all know what that means. They're all way too flirty with each other. Super flirty. I don't like it one bit. Yes, I think Kayla was so in the wrong. You do not try to kiss a married man, especially when you're on a reality TV show. That's a recipe for uh, disaster. But also, you are who you hang out with, okay? When you see people all up in each other's faces, hugging and biting nose, who bites noses? 
They made such a big deal about that. Alex Hall was like, I'll do it again. I'll bite his nose all day. Like, who does that? Have you ever bitten somebody's nose? It's going to be a hard no for me. So when you see that and you're constantly around that and then you add heavy drinking in the mix, you're going to start to push certain boundaries and seeing like how far is too far. And of course, obviously trying to kiss a married man is way too far. But biting somebody's nose, according to Alex Hall, is not. Here's a fun fact. It has not yet been picked up for a season two. Isn't that interesting? So time will tell on this one. Sidebar. I think I like Geo. I have no idea. This show is truly a mess. Every single episode, I go into it thinking I like one person. They do something and I'm like, nah. I don't. I don't. I started off being like, who is this Geo fellow? And why is he wearing suede shoes all the live long day in California? But then I'm like, oh, he gets pedicures with his mom. And he's actually a sweetheart on the inside. So I don't know. Would I watch season two if it came out? Yeah, probably. But honestly, just to find out who the villain is, because I still don't really know. All right, to wrap up this week's episode, we have to talk about Fantasy Suites Week. Also could be Hell on Earth. This podcast title could just be Hell on Earth and then list the things that are Hell on Earth. I don't think we should do that, but it could be. So I was trying to figure out why I've been in such bad mood the past couple of days. You know, David left and he went back to London. That's got me all upset. Um, I'm also a woman and you know sometimes we are hormonal and then i realized i'm in a bad mood because i was forced to watch 4 hours of the bachelorette this week by tuesday i have a job abc i have to get up and go to work every morning and we're doing it all over again next week 8 hours 8 hours of the bachelorette finale Y'all are trying to kill me, but it is fantasy suite week. Gabby and Rachel are ready to take their relationships to the next level. We'll just break it into parts. We'll do part one. We'll do part two. Part one, everybody but Jason and Zach, we saw a lot from, but the drama really came from Tino and Eric, both of which have been my final rose predictions from day one. Just throwing that out there. I want to take a moment of silence for Avon. Okay. Ready? Moment of silence for Avon. God bless his heart because he's cute as a button. He's done absolutely nothing wrong, but no, like nobody's watching for Avon's love story. They have done him dirty. You know what it is? Nobody's invested in Avon and Rachel's relationship because we have not even seen any of it. Their overnight date was wonderful. Rachel said she was falling in love with, with him. And we were like, what? You are? Who's this guy? We haven't even seen him. And I know that we saw his hometown at the Mentel Law, but that maybe could be a reason that I'm disconnected because I skipped the Mentel Law because I heard that it was really just a two-hour ad for cruises, Bachelor in Paradise, and the Kardashians. So I'm sorry to Avon. You do not deserve this, but here we are. Johnny also peaced out because he wasn't ready to get engaged, but now he's going to Bachelor in Paradise when they get engaged in three weeks. Here's my argument in defense of Johnny. 
I actually think it's much more likely for someone to get engaged on Bachelor in Paradise than it is on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. When you're on Paradise, you have nothing else to do but sit in each other's faces 24-7 for however many weeks, six weeks. On The Bachelor, you're sitting in solitary confinement waiting for a knock on the door from a producer who's like, you got 10 minutes to go on a date with Rachel. You know, like... Just two totally different vibes there. So best of luck to Johnny as he departs to another beach somewhere. I mean, he must have had the best. What was it? Fall, winter? What? I I mean, from beach to beach to beach, he's living the life. He's living the daggone dream. So then we move on to Gabby and Eric. And I mean, you could just tell that Gabby and Eric... Their connection is strong. Things were going so well for Eric. But at the end of part one, he's a little bothered by Fantasy Suites Week. Gabby said they had talked about it privately. Privately. That's not a word. They talked about it privately in the Fantasy Suite off camera. And they discussed that he felt like he was being cheated on if she was hooking up with other guys in the Fantasy Suites. And she was bothered that it was brought back up. Um. Look, I know that the situation with Clayton is different, but for some reason it feels the same. Why does it feel the same? Especially with Rachel, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Obviously, the difference is that Clayton like was not super forthcoming about his feelings and the other relationship, but you know. Like, isn't this isn't this fantasy sweet argument so done and over with? How many times are we going to have this fantasy suite argument? Every year? Every season? Probably. I think where Eric really messed up here was his approach. Because like Gabby said, she felt like she was being pressured to make a decision. Where, let's be real, all all these contestants do is sit in solitary confinement for days on end to get one date with Rachel, a day portion and a night portion. All they, and the guys aren't staying together. I don't know if you notice that. All they have, no phone, no TV, no Instagram, no friends, no family. All they do is sit there and think, 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 and think some more. So I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility that even if you have a conversation, when you're sitting there and you have a producer chirping in your ear, oh, do you think, chirp, chirp, that, Gabby likes Logan. You know, they have a fantasy suite. Like, it's very easy to get caught up in your emotions. So I think if Eric would have went to Gabby and said, look, I know that we've talked about this, but all that I have been doing is sitting in my room and thinking about it. And it's driving me insane. And I just need a little extra reassurance from you. Please just give me something and I'll let it go. And I think it would have been a different story. But that's just me. They can't all be as smart as me. Okay. Anyways, really, Morgan, get a grip. Okay. Tony? Who's Tony? Tino, in my opinion. It seems to me that Tino in this episode is totally in defense mode. He's really ensuring to Rachel that his parents would come around, which, by the way, they still haven't. I don't know if you listened to the episode where I was talking about Tino's dad and Facebook comments, but... 
while the season was airing, somebody wrote on Tino's dad's Facebook, I hope your son wins. And Tino's dad was like, how can you win in a situation like this? How can you be a winner in a hellhole like this? You know, like he definitely still has not come around. I don't know if Rachel and Tino are together, but that's got to be a little bit awkward. Um, they dropped the L-bomb. Rachel says it back. But this was the first like little glimmer this episode that I got that felt like to me, Tino really wanted to win. And y'all know I've been on the Tino train. Choo choo. I've been the conductor of the Tino train. He's been my final rose pick. I ignored the red flags and I was like, yeah, maybe you can be a little toxic sometime, but like, can't we all? But this was the first time when I was like, rot roll, shaggy. For some reason, I don't think this is going to end well. It was almost like he wouldn't take no for an answer. You know, Jesse's now the resident therapist that they all go to him and they're like, bro, I'm boiling over with them. I've never dealt with this much emotion before in my life. What do I do? And Jesse's like, thank you for your time, Tino. Stay the course. Okay, part two. We also have five minutes of happiness in part two and two in an hour and 55 minutes of doom and gloom. Gabby and Eric, they're still in the middle of their first fight, their first real fight. He's still spiraling while Gabby is on her date with Jason. And the funniest part is that you can hear Gabby's laugh in the background, which, by the way, there's no way that Eric could actually hear it. But the way that they edited it was like Eric standing on a balcony and <laughs> Gabby and Jason, you know, jumping off a cliff somewhere. And she's like, ha! Ha, 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 in the background. Like, come on. We're not stupid, ABC. We weren't born yesterday. You might be able to manipulate us into watching four hours of your content, but that is where we draw the line. What a crash and burn for Jason. Wow. I, on one hand, I appreciate his honesty. You know, he's like, I'm not ready to get engaged to you. And I will take, I would much rather a couple leave dating each other and being in a happy, healthy relationship than forcing an engagement and having to deal with more Bachelor Nation breakups. Like you're setting us up for failure. I don't want to deal with another Zach and Tasha. I don't want to deal with another Katie and Blake. I don't want to deal with another Michelle and Nate. Like look at Matt, James and Rachel. Look at even Susie and Clay. And I mean, I know that we're confused about them all the live long day, but they seem fine right now. But Jason, I was shook to the core because it seems like Jason didn't even want to date her. Like, let alone get engaged to her. He's like, yeah, maybe we can see each other on the outside. Like, maybe we can hang out. Bro, you are now in the final three. And you and it's it really was putting off the vibes that he did not even want to be in a relationship with her. Very awkward. So here comes Zach. Zach's going to be the next Bachelor, right? We're all getting that vibe. I just want to say this would be a correct prediction by me. What did I say in the beginning? That his age would be an issue. Now, it's not a fair argument at all because Rachel is essentially the same age. But what I tell you, I said something about him being 25. Mm, I don't know. And I, I had people in the DMs. They're like, Morgan, I got married at 20 and 21. And I'm like... I believe in true love for y'all. I do. I sure as heck do. But people that are going on The Bachelor, maybe not. Although it does seem like Zach is the most mature, honestly. 
of them all. Maybe Avon, but we just haven't seen him enough to know. I don't know one thing about Avon. So a lot of people saying that this might be a little bit of a manipulation tactic from Rachel to like let Zach down easy to be with Tino. And I can't say that I disagree with that. How many times has a has a lead said to one of their, you know, contestants or whatever, like we have a connection, but I just have one that's stronger. Why can't you say that to Zach instead of saying you're 25? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Like, yeah, Rachel, I've told you that I'm sure. My answer is not going to change. And boy, oh boy, was he roasting her. He was pretty much calling her fake. I mean, that's definitely not what you want to hear. And here's the thing. Do I think Rachel is fake? No, I think I, I don't know her. So, I mean, I guess I really can't make that judgment. But I've said from the beginning that Rachel does really care about being a good bachelorette. She cares about the title. She said it a lot. You know, she has said, I feel like I'm not being a good bachelorette. I feel like I'm letting people down. I feel like maybe in some way she thought that if she broke Zach's heart, people would be upset with her as the bachelorette. I don't know. Maybe she just didn't want to hurt Zach anyway. So she's like planting the seed of doubt, but that's a little bit of a gaslighting situation. I don't know. I also think that this is a classic case of Zach being too nice. And I hate the argument. I hate it because nice guys deserve to finish first. They do. But I think that Rachel kind of wants a little something more than the sweet, nice guy. I also do feel like their very first date when they were sobbing over both liking airplanes and, you know, both watching airplanes with their dad. Oh, it's such a bonding experience. That was not me being snarky. They really did bond. It was such a strong first date that it had a lot of expectations to live up to. And I just don't think that it did for Rachel. I think that it probably peaked a little too early. And then obviously Tino has been consistent the entire time. Um, but you know, that's neither here nor there. So Gabby's literally down to one person. Rachel, her head is like spinning around 18 million different ways. I said, bring Logan back for Gabby. You know, he might even still be on that boat somewhere. He had to quarantine. He had COVID. Has the two weeks gone by? Like, is he all right? Come on out, Logan. Why don't you give it another shot with Gabby? She's only got Eric left. Like, let's just give her another option. The final moments of the episode, it was giving, it was giving like engagement rose ceremony, you know, like they get out of the car. They only show the feet. You have to guess who it is. And it's like, oh, you don't want to see your favorite first because you know, they're going to get broken up with and it's Zach and in, they go back and forth and I know I'm, I'm changing a lot but I'm trying to follow the, the the way the show went but God is it just too much but like you know you have Gabby and Eric trying to figure things out you have Rachel getting ready to have her rose ceremony while Zach is, is sweating like a pig on a rotisserie stick and Gabby is walking up to Eric's room and she is like, I know the only way that I'm not going to leave her is if I just break up with everybody. And then she goes in there and she's like, I love you. Yay. Let's kiss and live happily ever after. And then we get Gabby 
and Eric laughing, giggling. Yay, I love you. And then we get the dramatic drone music like a hot seconds later. I was like, Bruh. and then as a close up of Zach's face and sweat is just dripping down his face. Bruh. Like, you know, something bad is getting ready to happen. <laughs> but nothing bad happened because we saw Jesse Palmer in a broken down television studio. And and they thought it was right for us to take a moment, a deep breath. Prepare yourself. Jesse, we are prepared. We've been sitting on our couches for four hours over the last two days. You think we're not prepared? Just show us the conversation instead of you standing in what looks like a war zone telling us that we need to lower our blood pressure before we can watch the finale. I'm over it. I'm over the back-to-back Two hour, you by next week we will have watched eight hours of Bachelorette content in four days. But we need to take a break because it's going to be so emotional, Jesse. The only thing I need to take a break from is you. Got to say, I am looking forward to the end. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be dramatic, and you know we will talk about it next week on MPT. Thank you again for living, laughing, loving with me today. Gathering, some would even say. Gathering around your earbuds. If you love the show, please share it with a friend. We're trying to take over the world. If they love pop culture, like, hey, sis, I got something for you because I love you. Because I love you too. Also, leave a little five-star review if you haven't done so. Boop, boop. Takes five seconds, and I am eternally grateful. I read your guys's. Uh, reviews when I'm PMSing and, and crying about everything. So can't thank you enough. We'll see you back next week on another episode of MPT. Love you like a sis. Bye. Ahura Media Production.